Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Shine Hills at shinehills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Welcome to Cheyenne Hills Church uh, Podcast. So right now, this is on Monday. This is a day before. Now, by the time this airs, we should know who is elected president. That's right. But on right. this side of the microphone, we do, we still do not. We're still in the land of question. The only thing we do know is that we have a mask mandate in Cheyenne, <laughs> That's in Laramie right. County. Right? That's so right. What we do know. Right. And uh, what that looks like and what that's going to look like coming for this coming weekend. Uh, so... I, you know, I guess what my translation so far is that, you know, it's not it's not enforceable and not going to be enforced, but re- required and we should do everything we possibly can to to be as safe as we possibly can. Had, do you have anything to add to kind of what this should look like for churches and how we should roll on this whole idea? Yes, sir. Well, I'll pitch in here just a little bit. I was really appreciative. The governor um, gave a call just the other day and he was yep. asking about this and mentioning that. Uh, the numbers are spiking. And I think there is genuine concern. And so if there is something that can be done, he just wanted to make sure people are doing it. But thus far in Wyoming specifically, as compared to some other states, what they've tried to do is definitely give recommendation. Okay. um, And and not do some sort of hard push like we've seen in some, especially East Coast states on this subject. And I'm appreciative of that. And secondly, then our our Laramie County um, uh, prosecutor Basically, said she was not going to be enforcing, enforcing yeah. that hard, you know. Right. And so I think right now what they're the trying to do is right. Yeah. Uh, please just just try to. That's what I be take wise. Away too. And <laughs> right. so we're gonna we're gonna do yeah. it like you know we've been praying for our leaders. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. this the prayer meeting we had the other day. A bunch of pastors on online talk and praying for our governor right. and our leaders. And uh, it's you know they they've got a tough job. They got to try to keep us safe and they try to keep us open. And it's like it's everybody's struggling with it on whatever level that you're on, right. whether it's your home or whether it's, uh, you know, you know, whether it's a state, mm-hmm. um, and these are not easy, easy, uh, well, easy questions or an easy, there's no really easy answers either. Right, right. I was really appreciative wise. of the governor. He, he prayed yeah. uh, right at the tail end of that, yeah. that meeting. And, and I was to me too. right. Yeah. Uh, you could tell that he was, he was asking, he needed, God, he needs, he needs your favor. Sincerely. Yeah, sure right. did. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Well, there were some other guys that they had to, they had some difficult things going on in their day, and that's oh what we've been talking about. <laughs> right. And right. so we actually decided we were going to back up as far as we, there's quite a ways to see to Scrooby England and find out the, the pilgrims at the time, they were called separatists, and um, how they migrate over to Holland and how they got on the Speedwell, and the Speedwell didn't work out so well. And they had to come back to, to England, and everybody got on the Mayflower. Not everybody, I guess, you know, only. Out of that group from Holland, mm-hmm. I think only 40-some people uh, got on the Mayflower. There's 40 right. or 50 that were the l- true pilgrims in their, you right. know. 102 people actually landed in Plymouth, but Total. only half of those right. were, were the actual uh, uh, group that had started off in Scrooby and then right. had landed in Holland and then now was headed off to the New World. Which really, and I don't know if we'll get to that far today, I just want to give people a kind of an idea of where we've, where we've been, if they wanted to go back up a little bit, because we drilled down a little bit about Scrooby and how they got out of Scrooby. England. Right, right. But um, one of the things that's amazing, I think, with, with Bradford and um, the 40-some pilgrims on the Mayflower, 
Mm-hmm. And then the rest, of, I think they call them, do they call them strangers? Uh, I think so, right. Yeah, the right. strangers were, were the <laughs> sailors, basically, right? Right, right. Well, just the, the, the civilian is what we mm-hmm. might call it. And so you got church and state right there in the in the ship. Right in and, the middle of it, and right. And that, that document that they drafted that would work for the church leadership and the civilian leader is, I think it's classic. And we're, right. I don't know if we'll get that far today, right. but that's one of the key pieces, I think, of a... Uh, of this journey to Thanksgiving and understanding mm. what uh, what these guys were all about. You're right. That almost could become a podcast all of its own yeah, just I because so. of the depth there. But yeah. I, and I look forward to getting there because yeah. of what it can say to us today. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to go back is you mentioned uh, the Geneva Bible last time, and we drilled down just a little bit. I, can, I found a few things, mm-hmm. and then I know you found a lot because you are actually holding in your hands a night, uh, no, 1599 Geneva Bible. Geneva Bible. Yes. It's unbelievable. So this would be, this Bible it has commentary, it's got chapter and verse, which I believe is the first time that a Bible ever had chapter and verse no, in uh, notations. I believe that was put in by, I, I forget if it was Miles Coverdale or Theodore Beza, but you're right, that happened in Geneva. Yeah. And uh, this may have been at least the first English, one written in English, yeah. that had those notations in this, there. This Bible, not this one you're holding, but the <laughs> contents in this Bible has right. been reprinted, you know, many times, could be the very, the very translation and the commentary that the pilgrims brought over in the Mayflower. Is that... That's exactly right. That's something? Right, right. So they, they were there, of course. Um, they landed in 1620. This right here is a 1599 reprint. Right. And uh, so it was first um, play, put out in uh, uh, 1560 here, dedicated to Queen Elizabeth, okay. uh, who, had, who had succeeded her half-sister, who is known in history as Bloody Mary, yep. because of all of the Christians who believed the words of this book who um, who disagreed with her and she disagreed with them. And so this came out of a um, the fires of persecution, yep. if you will. Yep. And according to this Bible here in the front piece, it tells us that there were 144 editions that were published between 1560 and 1644. And uh, it, it was it only lost its prominence after the King James uh, version of 1611, which was widely promoted by King James and Archbishop, later Archbishop Laud of Canterbury, who outlawed this that, Bible. That's right, because they, they didn't like some of the strong language that was anti-king, if you will, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, th- they considered it anti-king, and yet all it was saying was there ought to be a freedom of conscience, yeah. a separation between church and state. And you just mentioned this. Um, they had all the strangers on the, on the Mayflower. Yeah. And so what they did is they had separate elections for the head of the church and separate elections for the head of the of what they deemed the state. Right. And so they started off at the very, very beginning with that understanding. And that was at the advice of their former pastor, uh, John Robinson, who in tears left them with an admonition. He had to stay behind because the Speedwell, of course, had to stay behind. Right. And so, but did you know John uh, Robinson was actually the second pastor of that congregation out of Scrooby, England. Well, I knew he was one of them. I didn't know he was the second right. one. The first pastor, um, Pastor, oh, I, I have his name here somewhere, uh, Pastor Greenwood, I believe. Yes, Greenwood. Pastor Greenwood okay. had actually been killed by Queen Elizabeth oh, wow. for making the statement that God was the head of the church, not the queen. Oh, wow. And so they knew these stories intimately. Yeah. And so when they, they made these decisions to land in the Massachusetts, what later became known as the Massachusetts Bay Colony, it, they had lived 
these stories. Yeah, and 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 knew the the cost of of mm. believing them. Intimately. And, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Well, right. I want to go back. So this is uh, actually from. Um, uh, David Barton uh, has a oh, book yes. called The Founder's Bible, and he's got a lot of information in here about just our founders. And, and he has a, a piece in here about the Geneva Bible. Right. And so I wanted to drill down into some of the things that, that he wrote, and then and we can banter those and, and he, you know jump in anywhere you want here. Sure. It says this, in the 1550s, persecuted leaders such as Miles Coverdale and John Fox, who published the famous Fox's Book of Martyrs, went to Geneva. Switzerland, and joined with reformers John Calvin and John Knox Mm -hmm. and others to produce this Bible that could be used by exiled Christians in any country. In 1557, they printed the New Testament, and in 1560, the full Bible. And because it was printed in Geneva, it was aptly titled the Geneva Bible. And Mm -hmm. so what you have here is the first really codex probably of of Old and New Testament, because that would have been right at the same time that the both were. Uh, That's right. See, in 1526, amazing. I think it was, um, I, I believe that is when actually William Tyndale finally completed the New Testament. Okay. Now my dates may be slightly going, off, but going I'm fairly certain. Going from Latin to English? No, going from Greek what was to it? English. From Greek to English. He's the first one that go, went from Greek to English. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. That and so big. he compiled that in the common vernacular of the day. Okay. And as a result of that, he actually was captured in Europe and killed on in Belgium, I believe it is, yep. on behalf of the King of England. And so he, he gave his life to produce the New Testament. Right. Well, in the subsequent years there in Switzerland, these guys actually uh, finished out the Old Testament and, and had a lot of that work done. And so the Geneva Bible was absolutely crucial yeah. in English uh, specifically. And so, and, and I'm going to continue to read here, but you're going to mm-hmm. see this is the, the, the basis, really. The Geneva Bible is the gave the common person and access to God's word. Absolutely. He, he even made the statement. He said, I want the plowboy yeah. to be able to read this thing. Right. So it's the common person at the lowest level. And that's, and that's what happened. And that's why the persecutions and that's why it's like, okay, we got to flee. We got to try to preserve this. And was, you know, that's what drove them because they wanted to study this Bible on their own mm-hmm. without the influence of the king or a queen. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be able to apply it in their own community and put God's word in their life. It's just, a, it's an amazing thing. And to think they, you know, they how they traveled and were so many times close to shipwrecked and so many, so many died. I mean, right, there's right. so many that died. But just for this preservation of, of liberty and mm-hmm. that they could study God's word. Let me continue just a little bit. The Geneva became the popular Bible of those days who objected uh, to the corrupt policies of both state and church, known as dissenters. And it was through 140 editions from, 50, just like you said, 1560 1644. Significantly, it was not until the publication was widespread distribution of the Geneva Bible that the general population had what could be considered a personal copy of scriptures, which I think is an amazing thing. I mean, I don't right. think we realize how long it was. It was like everyone was dependent on their, well, it was a Catholic church for the most part up into the 1500s. Right, right. The, as, a, as their, their father, their, uh, their priest, to be able to read the scriptures to them in in Latin is what they would have had probably. Right, right. And not everyone spoke Latin. Yeah, that's amazing. You know? So the fact that this it just went this long mm-hmm. without someone, you know, finally it right. seems like a long time for me. But oh no. my goodness, yes. And now that now we have you know, copies everywhere and everybody can have them and now we don't read it. It's just it's a it can collect dust on our 
well, our coffee tables. What you're saying right there is so sad because when you consider not only how long we didn't have it, but all of the extremes people had to go to to produce it for us. And George Barna did some research, and he made the statement that only 14% of Christians read the Bible on a regular basis, yeah. and only 5% have actually read it from cover to cover, which means that 19 out of 20 Christians really don't know what's in the Bible. Wow. And, and this is a book for which wow. many, many people have died. Yeah. And so that that's the tragedy of American Christianity today. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why we're talking about we're this. We're so saturated. and right. don't realize what we have at our hand. Uh, the Geneva Bible was the first Bible to be taken to America, both to the Jamestown as well as the Plymouth, mm-hmm. as Plymouth. And it would have a remarkable role in shaping much of what the founding of America. So what you're holding in your hand, mm-hmm. in that, that edition, right. um, of course, that's a reprint of a reprint of a reprint, but it's uh, that that uh, time frame. That's just amazing to me to think what you're holding there. Um, right. Here's here's something that really shook the world, I believe, and helped shape some of the governance that we have, and it came from ability to read the scriptures. Okay. Right. So here's an example. What made the Geneva distinctive from all the other Bibles is that at the time, the marginal commentaries of the scriptures, the commentaries penned by prominent reformers, and we just mentioned those. Mm-hmm. These commentaries regularly challenged the culture, especially criticizing traditions and practices that violated God's word, including the primary form of governance in the use at that time, which would have been a king. Right. Okay, so here's what it says. For citizens in that era, a monarchy was the standard of government. And why not? After all, kings were featured prominently throughout scriptures. King Saul, King David, King Solomon, King Rehoboam, King Josiah, King Jehoshaphat, etc. So it was easy for citizens to assume that God's preferred monarchies. But a closer study of the Bible indicated that it was, not, it was definitely not God's preference. In fact, God even sent the prophet Samuel to dissuade the people from monarchies. In other words, he said, remember that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. And he tried to encourage him not to have a king. And they insisted, no, everybody else right. has a king. We want a king. Right. right? And right, he was exactly. saying, okay, well, here's what's going to happen if you get a king. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going to happen to your sons and your daughters and blah, 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 and the, the money and all that thing. But Israel demanded a king anyway, according to Barton. Then next paragraph, this is Barton again. So what was Israel's form of government before they degenerated into a monarchy? It was what may be uh, termal, uh, termed a republic. Mm-hmm. Because Exodus eighteen twenty one, the people were told to choose out from among themselves leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. That is to select officials that could call the local, county, state, and federal levels. So the, the yeah. so I I know that story. That's right, the story right. where um, uh, his father uh, Moses's father in law came to him. Jethro, said, Jethro. Right. There you go. Thank you. And he says, "Okay, here, you're going to kill yourself, Moses. You're going to have to break this down to." Just what he said here. Right. I never thought that that was the bedrock of this governance of counties, county, state, you know, federal kind of government, your governance. Right. And yet, because of that Geneva Bible, because they could read that themselves, that's one of the things that helped them incorporate this kind of governance and, and limited government, but yet at the same time, it's... Uh, has some jurisdiction to it. Right. Isn't that amazing? What's so wonderful about that is they chose this particular model because John Robinson, before they let off, said, please don't follow the European models. Okay. I want you to go in and root through the scripture. 
and, and he did. even referenced the Old Testament wow. in how this early republic, one of the first, if not the first republic in world history, which was Israel for that time between Joshua, if you will, and uh, Samuel. And so he was referencing that uh, over and over and over again. That's, yeah. That is absolutely amazing. And I'm going to end this with this, what Barton says here. Understanding mm-hmm. the original form of governance, the early colonists who arrived in America were, were students of the Geneva Bible. Therefore, established representative, representative governments. By 1619, Virginia had instituted a elected legislature. Mm-hmm. And, and when the pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts in 1620, they similarly announced they would be self-governed. For more... Mm-hmm about, then it talks about their self-governance and uh, religious freedom, and um, it's just amazing to me that those things, I know it was rooted in Scripture. I mean, I've always said that. Right. But to realize that these guys were, as you say, were instructed by their pastor back in Holland, because he couldn't go with them for some reason. Was his age? Well, so if you remember, the Speedwell had to stay behind, and so half of the congregation... He just didn't, he couldn't make it. There were some members of the Mayflower that literally had to leave their children behind in no. England. Bradford did. Exactly. Bradford and Robinson chose to stay and or basically ordained Bradford as the pastor of this new congregation. I did not know that until I was reading through this, and Bradford mm-hmm. and his wife had a three-year-old child. They mm-hmm. left with, you know, I think his brother or something. And so, you know, Bradford, Bradford was just crucial to bringing right. the biblical, and he was the 14-year-old that would sit under, in Scrooby England, would right. sit under that... Uh, so he was probably in his, what do you think, uh, early 30s. Probably so, probably at this particular 30s, point, yeah. right. And uh, uh, what, what kind of sacrifice that was. I mean, just leave your child behind in not knowing. Right. Uh, he and his wife jumped on that uh, Mayflower and came to the new right. world. Wow. Right, right. But the, 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 the trust that Pastor Robinson placed in him. The other thing, too, and, and one of the confidences he could have is that with the Geneva Bible, they were carrying a seminary in a box, yeah, essentially. for sure. So they had the text of Scripture. They had the clear understanding thereof, which you find, of course, that the priests were supposed to be doing in the Old Testament, for instance. And so that's exactly how they viewed the commentary of the Scripture here. And so when we talk about the influence of the Geneva Bible, let me just read. So yes, do. you know from Ro- Romans chapter 13. Yeah. The role of government. For sure. So when you get down to about verse number four and verse number five, this is the commentary. So uh, based on it, God has hath armed the magistrate even with the revenging sword by whom God revengeth the wicked. The conclusion, we must obey the magistrate, not only for fear of punishment, but much more because that, and then in parentheses, they add this, although the magistrate have, have no power, over the conscience of man, yet seeing he is God's minister, he cannot resist by any good conscience, so far as lawfully we may. For if unlawful things be commanded of us, we must answer as Peter teacheth us, it is better to obey God than man. Wow. Now that is a blunt statement in the year 1599. For sure. That's They're saying God you burn supersedes for king. Yes. Yes. God's, right. God's, God's. And so this is a seminary in a box, and yeah. for that reason, so and we're talking Wait, before about, you close. Yes, that, sir. Yeah. Would Would you mind just reading, uh, like, let's read uh, Romans thirteen, maybe just to hear what it sounds like, because it this is the old English. This sounds a lot like uh, King James to me. It, it does. And right. Would you mind reading just a sure, little sure. bit? Sure. Sure. So let me just read, um, uh, uh, starting in uh, Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. 
Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves condemnation. For magistrates are not to be feared for good works, but for evil. Will thou then, will thou then be uh, fear that power? Do well. So shalt thou have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God for thy wealth. But if thou do evil, fear. For he beareth not the sword for naught. For he is the minister of God to take vengeance on him who doeth evil. Isn't that something? It's powerful. You know, I could, uh, if, if I can just close my eyes, I can see you in one of the tall black hats, <laughs> big collar, white collar. I mean, you, you, you articulate that very well. And so what, what people can't see that you and I can mm-hmm. see that just like any study Bible, that was at the top of the page, and, the, mm-hmm. and what you read first mm-hmm. was the commentary at the bottom. And that this was the first, I mean, I think I'm right about this, the first Bible right. that was a commentary, like, like you're saying, a, a seminary in a box. So far as we know, in history. Yeah. In history. And so wow. they're, they're putting the text of the Scripture and then making the uh, clear uh, meaning of it uh, underneath it. And here's the thing, and I want to wow. just point this out real quick. If you were go, to go to the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol, there is a Robert Weir painting that stands 14 feet high and 20 feet wide of the pilgrims. Okay. And they're kneeling in the Mayflower okay. with an open Bible. Wow. And it's open to the front piece that you find even in this Geneva Bible right here. And it's to make sure people knew that this was the Geneva Bible and they were here for their freedom of conscience. Oh my. So if you were elected to the United States House of Representatives or into the U.S. Senate, what you would do is you would go in and you would be, if you know what you're looking at, reminded of the freedom of conscience because this book is being held up in front of you. Wow. That is powerful. I I mean, that's almost like give you chills kind of things. It does. And I'm so glad you brought that in. Just It makes it very real. It's like, wow, this is a a Bible that's still in print today that you can still read, and obviously you have right. one. Right. And, uh, no, it's it's so powerful to think through these things and, and how God's Word, um, oh, gosh, it's, it's, it's fundamental. It's foundational to our yes. belief system, our right. freedom, our freedom of conscience. Well, Amen. we're going we're gonna to continue our journey, and um, I don't know exactly what all we're going to go. You know, we didn't get very far today. We didn't even get <laughs> off the island. This is so fun. <laughs> I love we it. Stayed, <laughs> we stayed pretty much in Europe. we got to get across this ocean sometime. Right, right. Well, we're going to work on that. We'll, we'll be talking very soon. So in the meantime, be strong and very courageous. God bless you all. Mm-hmm.